Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. now listening to build your network yo my name is yaya bakar i'm a family man speaking coach and online business consultant if you want to become a professional connector then you should be listening to the build your network podcast with my good friend travis chapel come on baby welcome back to the show i believe that who you know is more important than what you know if you agree then keep on listening for tips on how to cultivate meaningful connections the right way if you disagree, then tune in anyway to let me prove you wrong with my journey. My name is Travis Chapel, and this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey there, what is up? Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm super excited to bring on another amazing guest. Look, this guy is somebody I've gotten to know now for uh, the past year or so. We met at a conference backstage and right away, he just has a magnetic personality, just someone that attracts people into his sphere. And he was somebody that I just wanted to get to know. And since then, we've been able to cultivate a pretty cool relationship. And we're finally able to get something on the books to get him here on the show. So I can't wait to share with you guys this episode with Yaya Bakar. Yaya is a family man, a speaking coach, and online business consultant. He's been paid to speak on over 500 stages. Yeah paid to speak on over 500 stages. That's the difference between him and a lot of other speakers. He's been paid to speak on over 500 stages, including TEDx, Harvard, and Yale. And now he's the secret weapon behind many aspiring and established coaches, influencers, and entrepreneurs when it comes to taking their personal story, brand message, and online business to the next level. Yaya and I, we talk a lot about a lot of different things, and we hold the same viewpoints on a lot of things, and we are the same way in a lot of ways. But one way that we're super opposite is that I'm typically the low-energy guy 
guy in the room and Yaya is the fireball of energy in the room. So, but we have a good time with this interview and we chat a lot about how to get started in anything that you're doing, no matter what it is, whatever you're starting in, how to do it effectively, why you should join a mastermind, look for masterminds and find one that's going to fit what your goals are and join one, even if you have to pay a good amount of money to do it. And then also we talk about the value of building confidence, how that helps in any field that you enter. And so, like I said, Yaya and I have a great time chatting on this episode, and I can't wait to share some of the amazing content with you all. But first, really quickly, if you wonder how I've been able to build and maintain relationships with all the amazing people here on Build Your Network, one huge way is through the power of podcasting itself. Without a doubt, it's my most strategic and effective networking tool. So if you are listening to this and you currently run a six or seven figure business, and you want to add podcasting to your tool belt as a way to amplify your network and your message, then head over to Travis Chapel. That's with two P's and two L's, travischapel.com slash coaching to apply for an upcoming opening in my program as I only accept a couple clients at a time. So I will talk to you there or I will catch you in Facebook group. But in the meantime, enjoy my chat with Yaya Bakar. Yaya Bakar, what is up, bro? Welcome to the show. Thank you, man. Pleasure and honor to be here. Well, finally, finally, finally. Yeah, I know, right? After it's, it's years. <laughs> it seems like ages. Yeah. I was actually telling my wife that uh, before I hopped on. I was like, it seems like I've been trying to get Yaya on for a minute, like trying to work out scheduling and everything for a while, but really thinking about it, it was only less than a year ago. It was at Thrive, like what, four and that we met and then that was only like September. It wasn't that long, but it seems like it's been forever. Scheduling this interview has literally been the biggest accomplishment of my entire career. So thank you for the honor. <laughs> I'm like, dude, we made it happen. I felt like once I saw it on my calendar, I was like, wow. I like, I, I was so proud of myself because it's so hard for me to do it and I have to follow through. So thank you for following up, staying consistent and, and, uh, and yeah, making sure that I can add value. All right, Matt. Yeah, let's go ahead and jump in then. So for those of you listening who don't know Yaya, I want to try to build a little bit of context here before we kind of get into the bulk of the conversation. So I always find this part of the conversation super interesting, bro, because I find that most people, especially people that I talk to, because someone asked me the other day, like, hey, what are your qualifications to get somebody on your show? And um, honestly, probably the biggest one is that they just have to be interesting to me. Like it's not really necessarily like an income level or accomplishment level or anything like that, as much as it is just like, Man, that's just interesting. That's intriguing to me. Like, I, I want to learn more about that. So this part of the conversation is always fun for me because what I find is that most of the time, I'm assuming that you as like a 14, 15 year old kid didn't like sit in science class and be like, I want to be a professional speaker one day. I'm assuming that didn't happen. So I, I like to kind of go back in. Let's get into like 13, 14 year old Yaya's brain and uh, talk to me about like what we were you up to at that time, like sports, academic school? Did you like it? Did you not like it? And then what were you planning on doing from that point in your life? Yeah. So, oh man, let's go way back. So 13, 14, I think I was in the transition of getting out of martial arts, specifically Taekwondo. I was a two-time junior Olympic champion in Taekwondo. I initially got into Taekwondo because my father put me into it after I got mugged in the street when I was 11 years old and he didn't want anything to happen to me again. So he was like, you need to learn how to defend yourself. So between the ages of 11 to like 14, I was just seven days a week training, fighting, state championships, district championships, national championships. I fought in Las Vegas. I was in Texas and I was in Tampa, Florida and got disqualified in Las Vegas, one second in San Antonio, Texas. And I got first in Tampa, Florida. And then I just... I just got sick and tired of fighting people because anyone who knows me knows that I'm not a fighter, but I'm a lover. 
and I love giving hugs. So I just, uh, I wanted to leave fighting, but I love the discipline of training. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Like what did that do for your mindset, especially at that young of an age? Initial, well, if I'm being, can I curse on this podcast? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure. So I was like, fuck. <laughs> oh, oh, oh you, mean, say, you mean that kind of cursing? <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to say that. Just for the sake of it. Now that we got it out in the open. No, but I was just like, man, it almost felt weird because that was my identity. I became a fighter. But I had to transition from fighting full time to, to like training. So I got hooked on the gym. I went to the gym. And that became my, my anchor, my therapy, if you will. And I started training there. and then. Fast forward, I tried wrestling. Wrestling didn't work out for me as, as uh, an athlete. My first match, they put me in varsity. I was, I was 145 pounds. They put me in varsity. They just thought, like, because I looked athletic, they're like, oh, wow, he's Olympian. Like, he, he's going to be great at wrestling. Mind you, completely different skill set. The guy that I wrestled my first, my first match ever in the varsity team, he went for a single takedown. Like, he just went for my legs. I kicked him in the mouth by accident. It was his reflex. He got so mad. Little did I know, little did I know this guy was a state champion. And 145, 145 pounds is one of the toughest weight classes to get into because they got speed and they got strength. So this guy, I remember him clear as day. His name is Bob Hagerman. So I kicked him in the mouth. Referee goes, flips out. And I was like, I'm, I'm so sorry. I apologize. This is my first match. I'm just a little nervous. And Bob took it like a champ. He's like, he gave me that... He gave me that, like, and he wiped his blood off his face and just looked at me. He's like, all right, cool, He's I got like, you. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, and the referee goes, okay, start. And by this time, I feel ashamed. So I'm like, yo, just take me. Just take me, bro. <laughs> right. So he legit takes me, puts me in something called a cement job, which, like, he hooks my head underneath his armpit and has his other arm hooked into my other armpit and then flips me over, like, a cement, like, just flips me over and then pins me in 35 seconds. Now, I'm like, okay, I took it like a champ. Next week, I go back in school, and I see a newspaper with my fucking face, like, struggling. Like, it was the most humiliating moment of my entire teenage, my teenage years. And I'm struggling. And so that year was really, really bad. My record was 114, and it was one win and 14 losses, and that win was a forfeit by someone who didn't make it for my match. So <laughs> that's... Talk about humbling myself immediately from going to a junior Olympic champion to being a great as a, a pinned uh, wrestling, a wrestler on the floor. But yeah, so I, I did that. I shifted. But after I graduated high school, I was kind of like a, not the best student. I had a big ass mouth in high school, get in trouble. But after I met my high school sweetheart, I met her my sophomore year. Freshman year, I was a lost cause. I met her. Her name is Kate. Met her there, and I started getting my act together and started focusing on getting better grades. And I did really well academically. And I went from like 1.9 GPA freshman freshman year to a 4.0 GPA my senior year. And then I had to figure out what I was going to do for my career. And I thought I was going to become a personal trainer because I love the gym. The gym was like my my grounding force. And I I tell my stepmom and I tell my my father. Now I want to become a personal trainer. And to provide some context, I'm the first person in my family to ever get an education in America. So my stepmom and my, my birth father, they're Middle Eastern. So they put a lot of pressure on either becoming a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, but they really wanted me to become a doctor. So I ended up getting a full scholarship to ASU for my grades and uh, taking my prerequisites to become a doctor. And long story short, for the sake of time, I wasted about three and a half years of undergrad, still taking my prerequisites to become a doctor. About three months right before I'm about to get my bachelor's degree in physiology and health on the pre-medical, pre-dental track, I realized it's not for me. 
I drop out of college. My father kicks me out of the house. He's very, very disappointed. My friend heard about my situation. He invited me to his home. And then he was like, dude, I've been trying to think about your situation. I think you should become like a motivational speaker and life coach for young people. And I thought it was, that was like the dumbest idea ever. Because I'm like, I'm a college dropout. No one's going to listen to me give life advice. I wouldn't listen to myself. And he was like, you got a big ass mouth and you're a positive guy who likes to help people. You should use it to your advantage. So that's, that was when I was 21, turning 22. So this was in end of December, 2010, beginning of January, 2011. And I remember sleeping on it, went on Google the next day, typed in motivational speaking and life coaching programs. I found two programs and the investment was like $9,000. But I was like, what the hell am I going to get that money? And I was like, there's no way I can do this. But I saw a video with Tony Robbins that says, it's not about the resources, it's about being resourceful. And so I'm like, in my mind, it's $9,000, but I have $50,000 of student debt because my scholarship didn't transfer to the other school that I went to, which I did. I, didn't mention, but I went from Arizona State, left that school to went to a different school. Scholarship didn't transfer. So I have $50,000 of student debt, no job, no degree, and 47 bucks in my bank account. And then I was like, I'm going to make this happen. So I did whatever I could to get the money. I got two jobs. I invested it. I raised some money from some people who took a stab at I me. Mean, it was like, you know what? I'm just going to invest in you. Just put it, pay it forward one day. And I did. And then within one year, I went full-time as a speaker and as a coach. I was one, uh, one of Tony Robbins' youngest graduates. And then I was a student of the year for Youth Speaker University, teaching other aspiring speakers how to basically build a six-figure speaking business. I became dean of students for that. And then my career picked off, like kicked off in 2011, 2012. And it was like, it's almost been 10 years now. So This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like, like, like hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is, is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Yeah. So 
crazy, bro. There's so many things to take out of this, but one of the biggest things is your lack of excuses. And bro, like the more that I do this, the more that I talk to people that they say that they want things, right? They say they desire things, but then there's no follow-up action and there's every excuse in the world instead of reasons to do things, they find all the reasons to not do things. And if anybody was in that kind of a position, it would have been you. Like you were in school, you had a scholarship, you were doing the right things, like, and you knew that by dropping out and quitting that version of who you were becoming, you knew that you were going to get some feedback that was not positive, especially from your family and your family kicked you out of the house. And this is one of the things that I struggle with with a lot of people because like most people would agree that their environment shapes them. Like your environment is what makes you who you are. However, what most people don't agree with is that you have the ability to control your environment. So when I try to tell people like, look, your environment is what shapes you, right? I always get an agreement, right? Like we're all agreeing. Yeah, everybody agrees. Your environment is what shapes you. But then when I'm like, you are the one who shapes your environment. Now, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I can't take responsibility for that because then if I, if I agree with you on that, then that means everything in my life is there because I choose to let it be there. And that's a huge like like form of responsibility people can't handle taking on themselves. I just want to point out and acknowledge you for basically looking at that and going, I do have control over this. I know that this isn't what I want to do. I don't want to become a doctor. Like this is not me. I don't want this at all. I know there's going to be a lot of negative repercussions. Like I'm dropping out of school. I have debt now in my name because of school and my dad's going to kick me out of the house. All of these things are going to happen, but I just know that this isn't for me. And so I'm going to change my environment and take control and take some responsibility in my life. So huge, huge acknowledgement on that. Why do you think that you were able to like, actually make that decision when so many people just are might be in a very similar or maybe even the same exact position that you were in, but they can't just, they just can't like make themselves take that action. I think that's a great question. I would say for being so young, I was pretty self-aware because I was always interested in discovering who I was, right? So even at, I didn't mention this, but during my teen years, I would study different religions. I would learn more about spirituality. I would read books on health and fitness. I would read books on relationship dynamics, anything that can help me become the best version of myself. And so I was always on the quest for truth. I was always on the quest of self-discovery and becoming the best version of myself. So speaking to the point of environment, right? I understood that I didn't have the words for it, but it was innate from just reading so much, learning from different schools of thought that every single one of us is a seed. And the reality is within the seed, we have the blueprint within our DNA to grow into our full potential. But truth be told, some of us are planted in infertile soil. I couldn't control who I was born into and how I was planted, the color of my skin, the color of my eyes who my parents were. And as I'm, I'm growing, sometimes like because I don't have the right environment, I don't have the right soil, I don't have people nurturing me through water, I don't have the sun shining on me, it's pretty shady all the time. That's like my environment. And I can grow up twisted or perverted or whatever. Like it's not, it's not like the right way to grow into my full potential. But I always understood that my life is in my hands. And people say the grass is greener on the other side. No, the grass is greener where you water it. So for me, I was like, okay, if I can't control my external environment, if I can't control the sun, if I can't control the water that's being provided to me, if I can't control the soil that I've been planted in, I can control my internal environment, my beliefs, my thoughts, the things that I consume, how I show up, my behaviors. So that was in my control. And that's another reason why I love the gym so much is because I'm completely responsible for my results. It's 100% accountability. No one can take that from me. So I guess it's because of the, the discipline that I've learned from martial arts and from training, I knew that I had to be committed to the process and not just be attached to the outcome. 
I can't control the outcome. I can't control the different variables. I can't control people. I can't control traffic. I can't control the weather. So why waste my time focusing on these different things that are not in my control? What I could control is the effort that I put into something, what I consume into my own mind, into my own body. So let me go do whatever I can to make it happen. And then from a place of experience and then from a place of evidence, I can say, all right, at least I gave it my all. This has been my experience, not just an opinion based on somebody else's experience. Let me ask you this too. How did you overcome any sort of imposter syndrome that you had? And this is something that I deal with with a lot of people, something that I dealt with when I first started my show. And I'm sure something that you dealt with. I mean, you've already touched on it a little bit when you said, you know, why would anybody listen to me? I dropped out of college. I'm in debt, but you've turned it into a really successful professional speaking career. And um, I think that imposter syndrome is a thing that holds a lot of people back from doing that. They don't feel like they can step into that power and help other people if they haven't like accomplished a certain number of things or have their resume reach a certain level, like they limit their own, they limit themselves based on what they believe themselves to be. So how did you come into who you felt like you truly were? That's a great question, man. And I don't think I have a soundbite answer. I think people who struggle with imposter syndrome also struggle with perfectionism. And behind the pursuit of perfection, they're consumed with procrastination because they're looking for that, that sense of validation, that degree, that social proof, that whatever it is to justify, to make them feel more accepted by society. And one thing that I, I pride myself on now, I didn't realize I had it until I could like look back. You know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. I can say, well, what is it about? Why am I here right now? You can put me in a situation, regardless of what the situation is, and I'll still come out on top. Why? is because I had the wit mindset, W-I-T, whatever it takes. And in order for me to do whatever it takes, even though I don't know what to do next, or I don't have all the answers, I don't know how to do something, I just had the courage to go for it. And I think what people who struggle with imposter syndrome, they're looking for confidence or competence. And what I'm saying is, no, you just need courage. You need to give yourself the courage to be imperfect in public and take imperfect action and put yourself out there and figuring out, figuring out along the way. It's kind of like parenting. You know, I have a baby girl right now and I didn't have a book or a manual. And even if I were to read a bunch of books, it's not going to prepare you for parenting. It's the same thing with your career. It's the same thing with your vocation. It's the same thing with your, with your life path. Nothing's going to prepare you. So, but the sooner you immerse yourself into a situation that where it's, it's kind of like out of your control, you start learning what you need to do, and you start becoming competent because you're committed to the craft and to the process. And take imperfect action along the way. It's, it's all about the speed of imperfect action, in my opinion. That's what rewards success. Yeah, 100%, bro. And when you do that kind of stuff too, it just adds to your confidence which will just help you overcome it even faster the next time that you run into a situation where like, oh, I don't feel like I deserve to be here. And it's like, well, you draw on that past experience. And this is something that you kind of touched on too already, which was like, I knew that because of my training background and because of what I did in the gym and because of like Taekwondo and all the stuff that I was doing before, I knew the level of commitment that it took in order to like see this dream to be accomplished because I had accomplished something back here. So like you touched on something like this is such a huge concept, I think, for people to understand. And that is how to continue to build self-confidence in your life is through always keeping the promises that you make to yourself and proving to yourself 
that you're somebody that's trustworthy. There's so many people that have this subconscious, like complete distrust in themselves. And if you can't even trust yourself, of course, you're not going to be able to think that other people are going to trust you. Why would you? You don't even trust yourself. You said that you were going to, you know, wake up every day at 5am for a week and day three, you didn't do it. So like you have this subconscious mistrust in who you are. Why is somebody else going to listen to what you say? And that's only going to keep getting like worse and worse and worse and worse and worse over time. So like when, whenever you're sitting down, if you're listening to this right now and you're like, oh, hey, yeah, that's me. I, I commit to a lot of things. I don't see them through a lot. Make fewer commitments. I'm not telling you to like live an instantly disciplined life tomorrow. That's like really wishful thinking. I'm just saying make fewer commitments. I find myself committing to so, and I'm sure you're the same way, bro. I find myself committing to so, so, such a smaller amount of things recently. Like people ask me to do things. I'm just like, eh, maybe we'll see. There's a very, very small amount of things that I actually fully commit to because I know how important it is to take my own word at what it is. Like I need to be able to know that if I commit to something, I will do it. 100% will do it. Not an if, not a we'll see. Hopefully it happens. Maybe I'll quit if it gets hard. Like no, 100%. If I commit to something, it will happen or I'm not going to commit to it. And that's exactly what you've done is like you got in, you committed, you took that first step, which is what you're talking about, the courage, right? But then now what you can do is you can take that into other fields, into other walks of life, into other things that you're trying to tackle and go, hey, look, I did it over here. I did it over here. And I did it over here. I know I can do it here again. I just got to do the same thing. 100%. 100%. And I, I would add to what you're saying as like confidence in addition to it being like honoring your commitments and the promises you keep to yourself, which I 100% agree. I also believe that confidence comes with knowing who you are and who you're not, because you're not trying to pretend to be someone that you're not, you know, your strengths, you know, your weaknesses, right? So I'm not going to front and pretend to be someone that I'm not just to win your approval or acceptance or applause. And that's what makes me more comfortable in my own skin, which gives me the courage to wear my heart on my sleeve and put myself out there, which makes me more magnetic to a certain degree with some people. I might not jive with everybody. Not everybody's going to like me, but that's okay because I don't need that. So the sooner you can put yourself out there so that you can understand where your capacities lie, what you're good at, what you're not good at. And the sooner you can get comfortable with who you are and who you're not, the faster you can honor your commitments too. Because you, I mean, if you told me to do something that I'm not the best at, I'm just right now, Travis, I'm at a point in my life out of respect for my time because I know it's precious. I'm like, bro, I'm just gonna be honest with you. That ain't me. I could recommend you to somebody else, but that's not me. And in by doing that, I've just speeded my results or my pursuit of success a lot faster because I'm just like, I'm not wasting time. I know myself. And it's not that I'm not committed to anything out there. It's just like, I know where my limitations are. You're choosing those commitments carefully. Yes, exactly. Very, being very, very selective. I'm not trying to be Superman, even though I'd like to perceive myself as Superman. <laughs> but I'm yeah. not. I'm human. No, no, I, I hear you, bro. And there's so much gold here, but um, we'll, we'll come back to that in a second. So let's go back into the story and, and pull out a little bit more here. So you start speaking. First of all, I think next to death, public speaking is like at the number one fear of anybody. And you might know the stats on that a little bit better, but that's from what I understand is, is what it is. So when you were coming in at 21 years old with imposter syndrome, like not really sure what you were doing, how were you able to jump in and just like get up in front of people and start talking? Yeah, so this sounds weird, but... I got paid to practice for my first speech, which sounds freaking nuts. Like I've never spoken in front of people, did anything like that. So speaking of imposter syndrome and my need for perfection and how that was disguised with procrastination, 
when I started my first program, my first mentor, I spent about three months, so from January to March, mid-March, uh, trying to perfect my speech. Because I told myself, man, if I have a perfect presentation and I delivered it powerfully and I knew what I was going to say eloquently, then people would take me seriously, which is complete bullshit. So I said that. I was like, well, but I don't know what my speech, I was, I was on a group call with one of my mentors and he was, I was like, I don't know what my, my presentation or my niche or my topic is. He's like, yeah, yeah, that doesn't matter. Why are you trying to prepare a presentation if you don't know who you're going to be speaking to yet? Why don't you book yourself first, get paid to practice? And I was like, no, that's not possible. And it's the idea, even in entrepreneurship, sell it before you create it. Because it makes no sense to create something that if you don't know there's a demand for. And it's the same thing when it comes to the business of speaking or even coaching and consulting. Why create something if you don't know there's going to be an audience for it? So wouldn't it be better to book something first, sell it, and then now you have nothing like a deadline to motivate you? Pressure creates diamonds. And believe it or not, pressure can create the most powerful work. And so legit, what I did was I started calling schools at the time because I was speaking at high schools and, and colleges. So I just called the school and I would just call the call and just happened to find somebody who took a stab on me. And she paid me a hundred bucks for my first gig on March 17th, 2011, which is St. Patrick's Day. And I literally had like four to five days to prepare for my speech, which is fucking crazy, right? Because I'm like, how the hell am I going to prepare a speech that I'm not even ready for? But I had four days to prepare and I did it. And I'll tell you what, my first presentation sucked. It bombed. It was so bad. I look back at it now and I have videos of me when I teach my clients how to create their demo videos and stuff like that. I show them an example of what I started with and I cringe every time, but I'm trying to illustrate a simple point. You don't need to be perfect to make a difference and make an impact. You just need to get started. So I just got started. I got out there. That video that I got, that one speech, got me my second gig for 600. Then got me my third gig for 2000. And then throughout the, my entirety of my career in the education market, which is like high schools and colleges, which is a tough market to break into, I got it paid anywhere between 2500 to later on in my career from $5,000, $10,000 for one hour of my time. But I started where I was. And so there's a point. Every master was once a disaster. Every expert was once a beginner. So if you don't compare your chapter one to somebody else's chapter 20, and you could just get started, keep focusing on your lane. Start where you are at. Don't look at that person who you admire because that's where imposter syndrome comes in. It comes from a, a state of comparison. But I can't be like that person when in reality, if you come from a place of service, not comparison, contribution, not comparing yourself to that person, then you're here to serve the person who's just a few steps behind you. They're not holding you to that, whole, to that standard that you're holding yourself. You're just supporting them. And that's all they need. They just, they could relate to someone who's more like you than that person who's a multi-billionaire who's spoken on here, who has all these degrees and blah, blah, blah. They don't care that because that person is alienating them, but you can relate to them. You're not seeing the root system. When I met you, Yaya, like I didn't see you going and starting at a school. Like I saw you crushing it on stage in front of 12, 1300 people, how many people were there, like, and like controlling an audience and like being masterful at your craft. So like when you meet somebody that that's all you know about them. Like you didn't see all the times where like you fell flat on your face and just totally failed, wiped out. You weren't there for that whole part of the process. So you have this disconnect, right? Like you, so like me sitting there looking at somebody like you, if I'm sitting in the crowd, I'm just like, oh man, there's no way I could ever speak like Yaya can speak. Well, it's just because like, I didn't know you when you weren't that version of you. All you've done is become a better version of who you were. But the only way to become a better version of who you were is to just get started doing it. And that's the tough part to wrap your mind around sometimes. 
And that's, and I feel like that's what makes you world-class in what you do. Because I believe like people who are world-class, even though in the dictionary, it says, you know, being amongst the best. For me, my definition of being world-class is being so committed to your craft that eventually you become amongst the best because you're just so committed to the process. You, you understand that maybe practice doesn't make perfect, but practice can lead to progress. And there's always going to be a more progressive version of you as long as you're committed to your craft. Like, I'll tell you what, what when you saw me at Thrive, I legit, when I was speaking to Cole, who's the founder of it, I had 60 minutes to present. I was hosting, but I also, my expertise isn't hosting. My expertise is speaking. And so I had 60 minutes prepared. And then 30 minutes right before I was about to get up, I noticed that we were way ahead. And so because I'm committed to, and there's a lesson here, because I'm committed to making sure that the organizer, the, the event coordinator, the meeting planner, I wanted to make sure that it's, it's an amazing and less stressful experience for him. So I was like, dude, like, what do you need? How can I best support you? He's like, man, I'm just frustrated because like, you know, the speakers were super late and you know, we're, we're a little bit behind and it's crazy because I didn't want to be that far back. I was like, bro, I'm, I'm supporting you. I'll cut down my entire speech in half. So in the last 30, like 30 minutes right before I was going to get, get up on stage. And so because I'm more committed to contribute and making sure that his experience is a phenomenal one and the audience experience a phenomenal one, I said, this is what I'm going to do. Now, being world-class, I was disappointed in my, my ability to deliver from a speaking standpoint because it wasn't the yaya that I've put 10 years behind the scenes to create. I had this idea, which, which is another reason why anybody who tries to aim for perfection, I tell them stop immediately. Because even 10 years into my game as a speaker, being on stage, like you're going to have moments that are un, like you can't control. Like somebody might come up and say, oh, sorry, we have to shift it up. You only got five minutes and you prepare for this. I have to be on my feet and my best game is not going to be my best game in that moment because of the things that I can't control. So again, going back to my craft, being committed to it, that's what will eventually make me world-class and make you world-class in what you do. So I think if, if more people fall in love with the idea of working on their craft, practicing, taking imperfect action, giving themselves to be imperfect in public, permission to be imperfect in public, then they'll, they'll get going, they'll get started and they'll make a difference a lot sooner than anybody else. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. That's the whole thing right there too, bro. It's like, it, look, it's better done than perfect. And like what Reed Hoffman from LinkedIn always says, if you're not embarrassed by the first version of your product, he's of course talking about like software or whatever. If you're not embarrassed by the first version, then you've launched too late is what Reed Hoffman says. And it applies to, and, and I deal with a lot of this with uh, with people that I take on as podcast clients. Like they just want everything perfect. You like, they want each little part of it to be totally perfect before they launch. And it's just like, no offense, bro, but you know, when you launch, you're going to probably have like 17 downloads. Let's just get it out there. And then let's start working on it from there. Like you're only going to get better. But if you don't do it, you're never going to get better. Like the only for sure way to guarantee that you're still going to suck in three years from now is to stay not doing it. That's the only for sure way. You know, Travis, I, I've spoken to so many people who come up to me and maybe they're not exactly where they want to be financially, mentally, physically, spiritually, whatever. And then they always say this, like, man, I've gotten to meet a lot of these successful people and they're not, they're no smarter than I am. Right. Like, this is what they would say. They're like, they don't have anything that I don't have. Like, how are they so successful? And I was like, because they weren't trying to be smart. They weren't in their heads trying to find the right answer. They didn't have the right answer. They had more balls than brain. And if you're a lady listening to this, they had more ovaries than brain. Meaning they had guts to just take imperfect action, get started because they didn't get in their own way. That's good news. Meaning as sad as it sounds, you don't need to be that smart to be successful. You need to be courageous to be successful. 
Just put yourself out there. And the people who get rewarded the most are the people who are okay with failing faster. That's it. It's, it's, it's just so freaking simple. It's so simple. And that's a principle that you can apply in any industry that you get into, in any niche that you get involved in, in anything that you do in a relation, whatever it is, you take that mentality, I call it the world-class mindset, you take that in there, anything is at your fingertips. Promise. What's up, everyone? Just wanted to take a quick second and give a shout out to my favorite podcasting app, Himalaya. If you're not listening to podcasts on this new app, you're definitely missing out. It's like a social media app, but for podcast listeners. Follow your go-to shows, like and comment on your favorite episodes, and download professionally curated playlists made just for you. So head on over to your app store or Google Play store and download Himalaya today and thank me later. Yeah, I had this conversation with uh, with Steve Sims, and um, he was saying like I think one of the biggest reasons why we aren't innovating as much as we could be innovating is for just because of the fear of embarrassment, because people are not willing to put themselves out there and possibly fail at something. And like, yeah, is it nerve wracking? Sure, of course it is. Like, nobody wants to fail. That's not something that like we crave. But now what I've been doing for the last few years, I find myself almost getting to that point where I almost do crave failure because like, I know that that's feedback. That's all failure is. It's just feedback that tells me like, hey, this is something that you did wrong. So try it this way. And like exactly what you said, if you can just fail a little bit faster than everybody else, because you're willing to take that imperfect action, then um, you are going to be the person that's able to reap the reward of the work that's, that you put in on the, on the front end. However, there are some ways that uh, will help you try to mitigate some of that failure a little bit. And that's exactly what you and I have been kind of been talking about or touching on the whole time, which is through coaching, mentors, like masterminds, getting around people who've done it, who've been there, who've walked through the process and have already seen the results that you're trying to see in your life. And if you do that, then you can kind of help mitigate some of those failures. But you're still, if you're taking the action, going to run into some roadblocks anyway. But at least at that point, you're moving along and maybe you started a little bit further along. So can you talk about how important it was for you to have mentors or relationships with people who'd kind of been there, done that and helped you get where you are? Dude, I don't think you'll hear anyone advocate mentorship and masterminds more than than me. I am living proof of investing in mentors. It has nothing to do with ego. It's so funny. I have people invest in my programs. I have people who can benefit from me supporting them. But sometimes their objections like, yeah, but I already know this stuff or I know this person already. Oh, I don't need that. And I'm like, dude, it doesn't matter. A mutual friend Cole understands that, you know, successful people buy friendships, not because they can't get those friends on their own, because the more successful you become, the more relationships probably take a, a back seat. And you need to be able to prioritize relationships that are super, super important to you. And when you pay for something, you're going to pay more attention to, period. And so I always say, like, we live in an age where if you want to become successful, you can. You know why? Because everything is out there for free. But that's not the problem. We live in an age of infobesity. People are consuming too much freaking information and are not doing enough implementation. There's no freaking execution. And so it's not that information is there, it's out there for free. It's, it's the prioritization of the information that you need to implement immediately. And having a mentor, having a mastermind, or having a program basically say, hey, here's a step-by-step -step process. I'm going to save you time. Because at the end of the day, you're always paying a price. You're paying a price with your time or your money. I'm more willing to pay a price with my money because I know I'll never get back time, period. And so I want to buy speed. I want to buy speed as fast as possible. So like last year in 2018, at the time of this recording, right, I invested $150,000 into mentors and masterminds. Not because I needed it, 
because I wanted to. One, because I attract the type of clients that I am. That's number one. And number two is like, even though I probably could have gotten access to all these because most of these guys that I invested in, they're, they're good friends of mine and colleagues. I want to respect them and honor my role as a student and there as a teacher. Otherwise, the boundaries will get blurred. And so I want to respect that and show them like, hey, like, listen, I'm just a student. In fact, the reason why I'm a phenomenal teacher is because I pride myself being a phenomenal student. Every stage of my success from 2011 financially, right? Not even 2011, even when I was in martial arts, I've always had a coach. I had a trainer at the gym to teach me what to do. Like every stage in my life, I had some form of a mentor, advisor. I invested in some form of program to get to where I am today. So I highly recommend finding a mentor that aligns with you because it's kind of like when you invest in a mentor, what you're really investing is in their model and in their mindset that makes you more money to spread your message. So when I say message, I mean the, the work that you're, you're up to, the, the, the vocation that you're, you're on, right? So that's when people give me like an objection of like, oh, you know, but I don't have the money. I'm like, yo, you're crazy. And you've heard, I mean, obviously this is Build Your Network podcast, right? So your network is your net worth. I know people who say, oh, this is crazy. Like even when, when it comes to masterminds, I'm about to invest 100K into one mastermind this year. And it's not money that I have like in my pocket, jump change. I'm going to leverage it. I'm going to do whatever I can to go because I see the value in it because maybe the, the immediate ROI, there is no immediate ROI in the next 30 days or whatever, but that relationship, think about this for just a moment. Just think about this. Imagine meeting one person for anybody who's, who's like on the fence of investing in masterminds or mentors, whatever. Picture this, picture one person. Let's say they're 35 years old, uber successful. It's very, very successful. They've invested, let's just say half a million dollars into their own professional and personal development. Now you have access to that person's, let's say 15 years of experience and over half a million dollars that they've invested and that they simplified and synthesized to distill, to give to you in a formatted way. Now that's a mentor. Imagine getting to a mastermind where you have multiple 35 year old people who are, let's just say, I'm just using that loosely, but who also have 15 years of experience and expertise that they've invested, let's say a hundred grand to half a million million dollars into themselves. And now you have access going to a network of people who've compounded together. You have all that access. Come on. You tell me that's not valuable building that relationship to get that ROI and not just ROI, but ROTI return on time investment, because that's what the name of the game is. Like everybody wants to become successful. Everybody wants a freaking shortcut to success. And I'm like, yo, just invest in yourself. I'm sorry. I, I go on a rant because I've done so many. Like I encourage other people to get in other people's mastermind. Like I'm just like, just do it. Just freaking do it. I don't care who, whose it is. Just go there as long as you're aligned with it. I get really passionate about this. Sorry. No, bro, that's, 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 that's my goal, man. I try to find your passion points here on the show, but that, that's obviously one of them. And it should be because you and I could have this conversation for a really long time because it's something that I really, really, really believe in myself as well. And that I'm just a living testimony of investing into those relationships. And like you said, it gets you, yeah, it gets you the knowledge, it gets you the experience, all that stuff. But, and here on the show, this is something I talk about a lot because it gets you the network. People have this, this mental block where they feel like it's not okay to pay for relationships. And I don't know why, you know, other than prostitution, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's not, maybe, <laughs> right. maybe that's the wrong relationship to pay for. I, I like, think there's, there's like a stigma and there's shame, yeah, right. there's this idea of, I need to figure it out all on my own or no, like I can get this, this relationship on my own. Well, I'm like, just because you that is on your own though, like paying for it is doing it on your own. You just paid for it and you just did it quicker. <laughs> you right. 
And I think that's the point. To be honest, the reason why I believe wholeheartedly why people don't invest in mentors and masterminds is because they don't understand the value of time, their own time. Exactly. 100% agree with that. Yeah. They go from that. They're, they're still in the scarcity mindset about money as well. So they, they, it's either because they don't value their time enough or they value money too much or a combination of the, of the two. Because if you had the right viewpoint on it, in my opinion, you would be way more concerned with your time and way less concerned with the dollar amount that, that it costs because you can always make money back. Money is just energy. It flows, it goes away, it comes back. It's too much tied to people's status and they, they have so much resting on it. And it comes from, a, in my opinion too, it comes from a lot of people who are over leveraged and feel like they they've like stretched themselves too thin. Obviously, this is not a financial education episode that we're, that we're talking about. That's a totally different episode to go into. But yeah, I think it really comes down to that. They have so many, they have three car payments and this house payment that they barely could afford. And they have all this other stuff going on so that they're like, bro, I can't invest into that because like, I don't have any extra money. It's like, well, first of all, cut out all that stuff because your identity is tied to the wrong things. Your, your identity is tied to stuff instead of who you are. And that's a problem to begin with. If you would just like cut back on all that stuff, you'd probably be able to afford a lot more of these things and then be able to like, actually go buy the things that you want without over leveraging yourself to get those things. But anyway, that's a totally like totally separate conversation. But going back to the, the time thing is that that's really what it comes down to is that they value their money over their time, right? Like I get that one a lot. Like, Oh, I just don't have time. Well, there's three mastermind meetups in the year and I just don't have time to, to take off to go to those. It's like, bro, you don't have time to not go to these because three weekends or like five years, which one's more valuable because all the stuff that you learn at these things, that's what it saves you on the back end is years of time. I've had this conversation with so many people, bro. I just had a guy on last week who had sold his, his software companies like over $100 million. And I was like, hey man, just hypothetically, like just play a game with me here. If you didn't put as much value into your relationships as you did, where do you think you would be right now? He's like, oh, I'd probably still be working a nine to five. He's like, I'd probably be like a, C, a CTO for some tech company. I probably have like a good salary, like six figure salary, but like that's about it. I was just like, wow. So the difference between a six figure salary and a nine figure exit from your company is just relationships. And you're telling me it's not worth it. Just try it once, please. Relationship currency, bro. That's where it's, what it's all about, man. And I, I, to be quite frank, like not to point a finger and say like, oh, you guys are stupid for not knowing better, right? I didn't understand the value of it until very recently. If I just, hindsight is always 2020. And we, the scary thing is when the person is in the moment of decision and that decision is fight or flight, or they're about to freeze and they're scared because they're about to make a huge investment into themselves. They can't see their future and they won't understand. It's like Steve Jobs says, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards, but you have to have the courage to follow something, your heart, destiny, karma, or whatever. So again, it goes back to courage, which is what I feel like if there's anything that I had, if there's any quote unquote superpower, it's just having the courage to act in spite of my fear. Like the fear was there. I was like scared shitless. I was shaking. I'm like, oh my God, am I making the right decision? What is everybody going to think of me? That was all there. But in the moment of doubt, I acted. And then clarity comes from action, not thought. And everybody's trying to gain clarity through thinking their way to success, thinking their way to the product, thinking their way to the presentation. And I'm saying is like, listen, we won't know until we test. Might as well pick up the phone. Might as well reach out, have that conversation. Might as well promote that thing that you're thinking of and get it out there. And then get that feedback. And if you get rejected, awesome. Because a rejection is just another form of redirection. Redirect and do it faster. Bro, exactly what you just said. I had this conversation as well with uh, Jay Papazan. He's the author of The One Thing, Millionaire Real Estate Agent. He's, oh, yeah. Great book. 
yeah, VP of, uh, of Keller Williams Realty and stuff. And I, I was talking to him about this and he used this illustration that I use all the time now because it's fantastic. So he said, if you are in a point when, where you don't have clarity and, you, and you, you're lacking clarity in your life, and it's exactly to your point, he's saying like, action is the only way to solve that. It basically would be like if you're dropped in the middle of the ocean and you know that there's land but you can't see where it is like all around you, but you know that it's like just within distance. You can sit there and synthesize all day long, but the only way that you're going to be able to figure it out is if you just start swimming, just like start swimming in a certain direction. And if you swim for five or 10 minutes and you realize that this wasn't the direction, now you swim back to where you started and you pick a different direction, you go after that. That's the only way that you're going to be able to find the land and actually save your life. If you just sit there in indecision and inaction, then you're just going to drown. And that's what happens. So many people are just like waiting water in the middle of the ocean, drowning instead of just taking action and being like, you know what, that might be the wrong way. And you might get lucky. You might go one way and that's the way, right? Like some people do that. Some people get lucky. It's their first time, their first attempt. And like, that was the way and good for them. But it might take you four or five times or maybe six or seven times or eight or nine times of like going a certain way, realizing that's not the way and then having to figure out what the right way really is. But the only way to figure it out is just to start taking action in some form, in some shape. Look, bro, I know, I know you and I could talk about this for a long time. I got one quick question to ask you before we move on to the last segment is I ask every guest that comes on the show this question. So who you know or what you know, which one is more important? I think it's about what you do with who you know and how you can support them. So I think that's how I would best answer that question because I know a lot of people, but what am I doing with those relationships? So it's who you know or, or what you know. And even if you know, like I know people who know a lot of shit, but they don't do anything with that knowledge. So it's like, it's basically synthesizing what do I do with who I know and how can I support them with what I know? Love it. Yep. Perfect. All right, bro. Move on here. Last segment, something called the random round. Just a few quick random questions, quick random answers. You ready? Yep. What profession other than your own do you think that it would be fun to attempt? Being an actor. If you could sit on a park bench with someone, past or present, and chat them for an hour, who would it be and why? My wife, because I love her. How do you like to consume content best? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, or videos? Immersion. Just being and experiencing. Yeah, experiencing. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Wake up at 5.15, go to the gym at 6, train until 8, 8 to 10, taking care of my daughter, being daddy-daughter time, 10 to 12, I am doing some personal development, meditating, taking care of myself, drinking green juice. What is your go-to pump-up song? It's called Yaya. Yeah. So if you, <laughs> it's, it's actually a great song. If you just, they spell it as Y-E-A-H, Y-E-A-A, like yeah, yeah. But I'm telling you, listen to that. That's my outro song. So when I walk up on stage, like that's my intro song. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm telling you, it's catchy. You'll be saying my name forever. And it'll make you feel so much like better, but you'll have the energy that you received while we're on this interview. I promise you that. <laughs> what is something that you are just not very good at? Logistics, details, finances, managing my money, all that kind of anything that has me into the day-to-day -day details. I am like my wife runs my life. Wow. <laughs> What's that I like? Bro? A shirt. I should create a shirt that says that. I'm like, I'm so proud of it too, because. Like I'm the visionary. I got to be creative, active. Like I'm the kite flying in the sky. My wife is like the anchor that reels me in. So like, I realize that's how I show up in, in business too. So yeah, that's, that's one thing that I'm not good at. If you make that shirt, make sure you print two and send me one. Okay, I got you. My wife wants my life. That shit will sell like hotcakes, man. Yeah. Hey, if anybody takes that idea, I just want a 40% kickback. Yeah, just royalties. Just, you know, yeah, just right. royalties. 40%. Yeah. <laughs> 
for the first uh, 12 months. Yeah, or, or maybe one that says, I don't know, ask my wife, because I find myself saying that a lot too, so. I love that, yeah. All right, bro, as we get everything wrapped up here, what is one place online where we are going to be able to find you the most? So if you would like to stalk my Instagram, because that's where I'm, I'm usually posting some content with family and stuff like that. So I really discuss most about this, but my mission is to build the family and the home that I never had growing up. And so I use my social media platform to not be a perfect example, but to be one example out of many on creating a different possibility for people who didn't have a positive role model when it comes to becoming a businessman or an entrepreneur and a family man or a family oriented person. So I want to do whatever I can to integrate that. And you can follow me on Instagram or find me on Instagram. It's Yaya Bakar. So Y-A-H. Y-A, B as in boy, A, K-K-A-R. And if you guys are interested in learning how to become a speaker, building a seven-figure coaching and speaking consulting business, learning how to monetize your message, go to worldclassspeaker.com forward slash blueprint. And I talk about the five steps that you need to take to get booked and paid to speak immediately in less less than three months. Perfect. Awesome. Can you say that URL one more time? Yep. Worldclassspeaker.com forward slash blueprint. Awesome. Perfect. So worldclassspeaker.com slash blueprint to pick up uh, Yaya's blueprint for becoming a world-class speaker. Um, definitely want, going to want to check that out if you are interested in any of this kind of stuff at all. Even if it's not right now, even if you're looking maybe 10, 15 years into the future, 100% head over there, pick that up. I promise you will not regret that. Also check out everything that Yaya is doing over on Instagram. That's just at Yaya Bakar. If you're listening to this right now, make sure you screenshot this episode, upload it to Instagram story, tag Yaya, tag me at Travis Chapel. That way you can go over there, say what's up and say thank you for tuning in. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for coming to the show today, brother. I had a fantastic time chatting with you. And I'm sure I'll see you real soon. Had a blast, man. Such an honor. Thank you. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. As most of you know, I talk a lot about giving value to others. And this podcast is one of the ways that I try to do that since all of the content from the show is totally free. So when people ask me how they can add value to me, one of the ways that I tell them is to head over to iTunes, hit the subscribe button and leave a rating and review. This not only gives me feedback on what you think about the show, but it also helps me with Apple's algorithm. So please, if you haven't done that, head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review for the show. It adds tremendous value and it only takes a minute or two of your time. And if you want some more free content from me, head over to three, that's three spelled out, three networkingsecrets.com to watch my free masterclass on the three best kept secrets to building the network of your dreams. I promise that you will not regret it. Have a wonderful rest of your day and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.